Hello, parents, guardians, and caregivers. Welcome to season two of Raggedy Auntie. I'm very excited to start a new season of reading books to you and your littles and your friends and everybody in your family. As always, I want to take a minute to thank you for giving me this opportunity to be you and your child's reader for the next half hour or so. And today, I want to give a special shout out to my friends over at Little Sprouts. I'm actually on my way there this week to meet some of my sweet friends in person and read some of my favorite books with them. I am so excited to go there. Thank you for being here. And... Let's get started on season two. Hello, my sweet friends. It's nice to see you again. Come along and read with me. It's my favorite place to be when Raggedy Auntie reads. Hello, my sweet friends. Welcome back to the Book Nook. I'm Raggedy Auntie, and today we are starting a new chapter book. It's called Pippi Longstocking, and it was written by a really cool author named Astrid Lindgren, and I'm very excited to be able to read this book for you. It's always been one of my favorites since I was a very small raggedy tot in the book nook. I hope that you are ready to meet one of my all-time favorite nine-year-old girls and hear about all the adventures she gets into. Let's get started. Pippi Longstocking by Astrid Lindgren, translated by Susan Beard. Chapter 1 Pippi moves into Villa Villacula. On the edge of the tiny little town was an old garden, all overgrown. In this garden was an old house, and in that house lived Pippi Longstocking. She was nine years old, and she lived there all alone. She didn't have a mom or a dad, and that was actually quite nice because there was nobody to tell her to go to bed just when she was having the most fun and nobody to make her take cod liver oil when she would rather eat sweets. Pippi had a dad once, and she'd liked him ever so much. She had a mum too, of course, but that was such a long time ago she couldn't remember anything about it. Her mum had died when Pippi was a tiny, tiny baby who lay in her cot and screamed and screamed so horrendously that no one could go near her. Pippi thought her mom was up in heaven looking down on her little girl through a peephole, and Pippi often waved up to her up there and said, Don't worry, I'll be all right. Pippi hadn't forgotten her dad. He was a ship's captain and sailed the great oceans, and Pippi had sailed with him until the time he blew overboard in a huge storm and disappeared. But Pippi was absolutely certain he would come back one day. She didn't believe he'd drowned at all. She thought he'd washed ashore on an island in the South Seas and became the island king and was walking around all day with a golden crown on his head. My mom is an angel and my dad is a South Sea Island king. Not every child has such special parents, you know, Pippi always said, sounding pleased with herself. And as soon as my dad can build a boat, he'll come and fetch me and then I'll be a South Sea Island princess. What a time we'll have. Tra-la-la. -la. 
Many years ago, her dad had bought the old house that stood in the garden. He had planned to live there with Pippi when he got too old and daughtery to sail the oceans any longer. But then, of course, that annoying thing happened when he was blown into the sea. So while she was waiting for him to come back, Pippi went straight home to Villa Villacula. That was the name of the house. It stood there, ready and waiting, with furniture and everything. One beautiful summer's evening, she said goodbye to all the shipmates on her dad's boat. They were so fond of Pippi, and Pippi was fond of them. Cheerio, lads, Pippi said, giving each and every one a kiss on the forehead. Don't worry about me. I'll be all right. She took two things with her from the boat. A little monkey called Mr. Nielsen, a present from her dad, and a big travel bag full of golden coins. The shipmates stood on the deck and watched Pippi walk away until they couldn't see her anymore. She strode on with Mr. Nielsen on her shoulder and the travel bag in her hand and didn't look around once. A remarkable child, said one of the shipmates, wiping a tear from his eye as Pippi disappeared into the distance. He was right. Pippi was a very remarkable child, and the most remarkable thing about her was her strength. She was so spectacularly strong that in the whole wide world there was no one as strong as she was, not even a policeman. She could lift up a whole horse if she wanted to, and she did want to. She had her own horse that she had bought with one of her gold coins the very same day she came home to Villa Villacula. She'd always longed for a horse of her own, and now she had one, and he lived on the veranda. But when it was time for Pippi's afternoon coffee, she picked him up and put him in the garden with no problem at all. <laughs> Next to Villa Villacula, there was another garden and another house. In that house lived a dad and a mom with their two sweet little children, a boy and a girl. The boy was called Tommy and the girl was called Annika. They were two very polite and well-behaved and obedient children. Tommy never bit his nails, and he always did as his mom told him. Annika never argued when she couldn't have her own way. She was always very neat in her well-ironed cotton dresses, which she was careful not to get dirty. Tommy and Annika played very nicely together in their garden, but they often wished for a friend to play with. And, while Pippi was still sailing around the ocean with her dad... They used to hang over the fence and say to each other, It's stupid no one ever moves into that house. Someone should be living there, someone with children. On that beautiful summer's evening, when Pippi walked through the door of Villa Villacula for the first time, Tommy and Annika weren't at home. They'd gone to stay with their grandma for a week. That's why they had no idea that someone had moved in next door. And the day after they came home and were standing at their gate, looking into the street, they still didn't know that there actually was someone to play with so close by. Just as they were standing there, wondering what to do and whether anything interesting was going to happen that day, or whether it was going to be one of those boring days when there was nothing to do, just then, the gate of Villa Villacula opened and a little girl walked out. She was the strangest little girl Tommy and Annika had ever seen. It was Pippi Longstocking, going for her morning stroll. This is what she looked like. Her hair was the same color as a carrot and was in two tight plaits that stuck straight out. Her nose looked exactly like a small potato and was smothered in freckles. Under her nose was an extraordinarily wide mouth full of healthy white teeth. Her dress was quite peculiar. 
Pippi had sewn it herself. It was supposed to be blue, but the blue material had run out, so Pippi had put red patches here and there. On her long, thin legs, she wore a pair of long stockings, one brown and the other black, and she was also wearing a pair of black shoes that were precisely twice as long as her feet. Pippi's dad had bought them for her in South America, big enough for her to grow into, and Pippi wouldn't wear anything else. What especially amazed Tommy and Annika was the monkey sitting on the girl's shoulder. It was a little squirrel monkey dressed in blue trousers, a yellow jacket, and a white straw hat. Pippi set off down the street. She walked with one foot on the pavement and the other in the gutter. Tommy and Annika stared after her until they couldn't see her anymore. After a while, she came back, and this time she was walking backward? That was so she didn't have to turn around to walk home. When she reached Tommy and Annika's gate, she stopped. The children looked at each other in silence. At last, Tommy said, Why do you walk backward? Why I walked backward, Pippi said. We live in a free country, don't we? Aren't you allowed to walk any way you want? Let me tell you that in Egypt, every single person walks like that, and no one thinks it's strange in the slightest. How do you know? asked Tommy. You've never been to Egypt. Me? Not been to Egypt? That's news to me. I've been everywhere in the entire world and seen much stranger things than people walking backward. I wonder what you'd say if I'd walked on my hands like they do in furthest India. Now you're lying, Tommy said. Pippi thought about that for a moment. Yes, you're right. I am lying, she said sadly. It's bad to tell lies, said Annika, who had at last dared to open her mouth. Yes, it's very bad to tell lies, said Pippi even more sadly. But you see, I forget from time to time. And how can anyone expect a little child who has an angel for a mom and a South Sea Island king for a dad and who has sailed around on the sea her whole life to tell the truth all the time? And by the way, she added, the whole of her freckly face beaming, let me tell you that in the Congo, not one single person tells the truth. They lie all day. They start at seven in the morning and carry on until the sun goes down. So if I happen to lie now and then, you'll have to try and forgive me. And remember, it's because I lived in the Congo for too long. But we can still be friends, can't we? Of course, said Tommy. And he suddenly felt that this was probably not going to be one of those boring days. By the way... Why not come and eat breakfast with me? Pippi asked. Since you're asking, said Tommy, why not? Come on, let's go. Yes, said Annika, right now. But first, I must introduce you to Mr. Nielsen, Pippi said. The little monkey took off his hat and bowed politely. So they walked through Villa Villacula's garden gate, which was falling to pieces, and up the gravel path lined with ancient trees covered in moss, perfect climbing trees by the look of them to the house and onto the veranda. There stood the horse, chomping oats from a soup tureen. Why on earth have you got a horse on the veranda? asked Tommy. All the horses he knew lived in a stable. Well, said Pippi, thinking, he'd only be in the way of the kitchen, and he doesn't like the sitting room. Tommy and Annika patted the horse, and then they carried on into the house. Inside, there was a kitchen, a sitting room and a bedroom, but it looked as if Pippi had forgotten to do the weekly cleaning. Tommy and Annika looked around nervously in case that South Sea Island King was sitting in a corner. They'd never seen a South Sea Island King in all their life. But 
There was no dad and no mum either, and Annika asked anxiously, do, do you live here all alone? Definitely not, said Pippi. Mr. Nielsen and the horse live here too. No, I mean, haven't you got a mum or dad here? No, not at all, said Pippi cheerfully. But who tells you when it's time to go to bed every evening and, and that kind of thing? Annika asked. Oh, I do that myself, said Pippi. First, I tell myself once, very nicely, and if I don't obey, I tell myself again, quite crossly. And if I still don't obey, well, then there's trouble, I can tell you. Tommy and Annika didn't really understand this, but thought it might be a good way to go about it. By this time, they had reached the kitchen, and all of a sudden, Pippi yelled, Mixy, mixy, pancake, ixy, bakey, bakey, pancake, ricky, take your seedy pancake, eatie. She took out three eggs and threw them high into the air. One dropped on her head and broke, and the egg yolk dripped into her eyes. But she expertly caught the others in a saucepan, where they cracked open. Well, they say egg yolk is good for your hair, Pippi said, wiping her eyes. You watch, it'll come sprouting out of my head now. In Brazil, by the way, everyone walks around with egg in their hair. And of course, you never see a bald head anywhere. There was only one man silly enough to eat up all his eggs instead of putting them on his head. And do you know what? He went bald as expected. And whenever he set foot outside, there was such a hullabaloo, the police had to be called for. While she had been speaking, Pippi had very handily scooped all the pieces of eggshell out of the saucepan with her fingers. Then she took a long-handled scrubbing brush from its hook on the wall and began whisking the pancake batter so fast it splashed all over the walls. Finally, she poured what was left into a pancake pan that was heating on the stove. When the pancake was cooked on one side, she tossed it halfway to the ceiling and caught it in the pan again. And when it was ready, she threw it right across the kitchen and onto a plate that was waiting on the table. Eat, she shouted. Eat before it gets cold. Tommy and Annika ate and thought it was a very delicious pancake. Afterward, Pippi invited them into the sitting room. There was only one piece of furniture in there. It was an enormous writing bureau with lots and lots of small drawers. Pippi opened the drawers and showed Tommy and Annika all the treasures she kept inside. There were fantastic bird's eggs and odd-looking shells and stones, pretty little boxes, beautiful silver mirrors and strings of beads, and all sorts of other things that Pippi and her dad had bought on their travels around the world. Pippi gave her new friends a present each, so they would always remember the day. Tommy got a dagger with a shimmering mother-of-pearl handle, and Annika a small box with a lid covered in pink shells. Inside the box lay a ring with a green stone. "'Why not go home now, so you can come back again tomorrow?' said Pippi. "'Because unless you go home, you can't come back, you see, and that would be a pity.' Annika and Tommy agreed, and so they went home, past the horse that had eaten up all the oats, and through Villa Villa Coola's garden gate. Mr. Nielsen waved his hat as they left. Chapter 2. Pippi is a thing finder and gets into a fight. Annika woke up early next morning. She leapt out of bed and padded over to Tommy. Wake up, Tommy, she said, pulling his arm. Wake up so we can go to that funny girl with the big shoes. 
Suddenly, Tommy was wide awake. I knew when I was asleep that today would be fun, but I couldn't remember why, he said, struggling out of his pajama jacket. Then off they both dashed to the bathroom where they brushed their teeth and washed much faster than usual. Their clothes flew on in double-quick time, and a whole hour before their mother was expecting them, they came sliding down the banister and landed at the breakfast table, where they called out for their hot chocolate to be served immediately. What is going on? their mother asked, seeing as you're in such a hurry. We're going to see the new girl who's moved in next door, said Tommy. We might be gone all day, said Annika. That morning, Pippi was in the middle of baking ginger biscuits. She had made a huge ball of dough and was rolling it out on the kitchen floor. And I'll tell you why, she said to her little monkey. What good is a tabletop when you've got to make at least 500 ginger biscuits? There she was, kneeling on the floor and cutting out biscuits at lightning speed. Stop treading on the dough, Mr. Nielsen, she snapped just as the doorbell rang. Pippi ran and opened it. She was as white as a miller from head to toe, and when she energetically shook hands with Annika and Tommy, they were drenched in a cloud of flour. How very nice of you to look in, she said, shaking her apron and sending up another cloud of flour. Tommy and Annika got so much flour in their mouths, it made them cough. <coughs> what, what are you doing? asked Tommy. Well, I could tell you I'm cleaning the chimney, but you're far too smart to believe that, said Pippi. In actual fact, I'm baking, but I'll be finished in a jiffy. You can sit on the log box and wait. She could certainly work fast, that girl. Tommy and Annika sat on the log box and watched her stamp out biscuit shapes all over the dough, hurl them onto the baking trays, and then throw the trays in the oven. It was almost like watching a film, they thought. Done, Pippi said finally taking out the last tray and slamming the oven door shut with a bang. What should we do now? Tommy asked. I don't know what you're thinking of doing, Pippi said, but I'm not the kind to put my feet up. I am, in fact, a thing finder, and thing finders never get a minute's rest. What did you say you were? asked Annika. A thing finder. What's that? asked Tommy. Someone who finds things, of course. What else could it be? said Pippi as she swept all the flour on the floor into a small pile. The whole world is full of things, and there's a crying need for someone to find them, and that's just what a thing finder does. What kind of things? asked Annika. Oh, all sorts, said Pippi. Clumps of gold, ostrich feathers, dead rats, teeny weeny nuts and bolts, stuff like that. Tommy and Annika thought it sounded good fun, and they really wanted to be thing finders, too, although Tommy said he'd rather find a clump of gold than a dead rat. We'll have to see what turns up, said Pippi. Something always does. But let's get a move on in case any other thing finders come along and make off with all the clumps of gold around here. The three thing finders set off. They thought it was best to start looking among the houses close by, because Pippi said even if it was perfectly possible to find a little nail or bolt in the middle of a forest, the best things were actually found close to where people lived. But on the other hand, she said, I've seen examples of quite the opposite. I remember the time I was looking for things in the jungles of Borneo, right in the very middle of the rainforest, where no one had ever set foot before. What do you think I found? I'll tell you, a very fine wooden leg. 
I gave it away later to an old man with only one leg, and he said you couldn't buy such a fine wooden leg even if you had heaps of money. Tommy and Annika watched Pippi closely to see how a thing finder behaved. Pippi ran from one side of the road to the other, shaded her eyes with her hand, and looked and looked. Sometimes she crawled on her knees, stuck her hand through fences, and said disappointedly, Odd, I was absolutely sure I saw a clump of gold. Can we really take everything we find? asked Annika. Yes, everything that's lying on the ground, said Pippi. Farther down the road, an elderly gent was sleeping on the lawn outside his house. He's lying on the ground, Pippi said, and we found him. Let's have him. Tommy and Annika were flabbergasted. No, no, Pippi, you can't take an old man. We just can't, said Tommy. What do we want him for anyway? What do we want him for? We could use him for lots of things. We could put him in a little rabbit hutch instead of a rabbit and feed him dandelion leaves. But if you'd rather not, well, that's fine by me. But it really annoys me to think another thing finder might come along and pinch him. They walked on. All of a sudden, Pippi gave an ear-splitting yell. Oh, I've never seen anything like this, she shouted, picking up a rusty old tin from the grass. What a find! What a find! You can never have too many tins! Tommy looked at the tin doubtfully and said, What can you use that for? Oh, you can use it for lots of things, Pippi said. You could put biscuits in it for one thing. Then it would be one of those nice tins for biscuits. On the other hand, you don't have to put biscuits in it, and then it would be one of those tins not for biscuits. It's not quite so nice, mind you, but that's all right, too. She studied the tin, which really was very rusted indeed and had a, a hole on the bottom. This almost looks as if it's a tin not for biscuits, she said thoughtfully. But you can always plonk it over your head and pretend it's the middle of the night. So she did. With the tin over her head, she walked along like a little metal tower and didn't stop until she fell over a fence and onto her stomach. There was a loud crash as the tin hit the ground. There, you see, said Pippi, taking off the tin. If I hadn't had that on my head, I would have fallen flat on my face and bashed myself stupid. But, said Annika, if you hadn't had the tin on your head, you wouldn't have tripped over the fence in the first place. Just as Annika had finished speaking, Pippi gave another yelp and triumphantly held up an empty cotton reel. It must be my lucky day today, she said. Such a dear, sweet little cotton reel to blow bubbles with or hang on a piece of string and have as a necklace. Oh, I want to go home and do it this very minute. At that moment, one of the garden gates opened and a boy came racing out. He looked scared, and that wasn't surprising because hot on his heels came five boys. They soon caught up with him and shoved him up against a fence where they all started piling into him. All five at once began hitting and punching him. He was crying and holding up his arms to protect his face. Get him, boys, shouted the biggest and strongest boy. He'll never show his face on this street again. Oh, said Annika, that's Victor they're beating up. How can they be so mean? It's that nasty banked. He's always fighting, said Tommy. Five against one as well, the cowards. Pippi walked over to the boys and prodded Binked in the back. Sorry to bother you, she said, but are you planning to make minced meat of little Victor, seeing as five of you are having a go at him at once? Binked turned around to see a girl he had never met before, a completely unknown girl. 
daring to prod him in the back. At first, he gaped in utter astonishment, and then a wide smile spread across his face. Boys, he said, boys, leave Victor and come have a look at this little girly. Oh, what a girly. He slapped his knees and laughed. In a flash, they had all gathered around Pippi, all except Victor, that is, who wiped his tears and cautiously went to stand next to Tommy. Have you ever seen such hair? It's like a bonfire. And those shoes, Binked continued. Can I borrow one of them? I want to go out rowing, but I haven't got a boat. Then he took hold of one of Pippi's plaits, but dropped it immediately, saying, Ouch, I burned myself. <laughs> then all five boys stood in a circle around Pippi and leapt up and down, shouting, Red Riding Hood, Red Riding Hood. Pippi stood in the middle of the circle, smiling in a friendly way. Binked hoped she would cry or get angry. She should be looking scared by now, at the very least. When nothing he did worked, he gave her a shove. I don't think you have an especially charming way with the ladies, said Pippi. And with that, she lifted him high in the air on her strong arms, carried him over to a birch tree that was growing nearby, and hung him over a branch. Then she took the next boy and hung him over a different branch. She set the next one up on a tall gatepost outside one of the houses and threw the next boy right over a fence so that he landed in the middle of the flower bed in a front garden. Then she set the last one on a child's wheelbarrow that had been left in the road. Pippi, Tommy, Annika, and Victor stood looking at the boys who were stunned into silence. Then Pippi said, "'You're bullies.' Five of you attacking that one boy. That's cowardly. And then you start pushing a defenseless little girl about naughty, naughty. Come on, let's go home, she said to Tommy and Annika. And then she said to Victor, if they try to beat you up again, just tell me. Binked was sitting up in the tree, not daring to move a muscle. Pippi said to him, if there's anything else you'd like to say about my hair or my shoes, then you'd better say it now before I go home. But Bink didn't have anything else to say about Pippi's shoes or her hair either. So with her rusty tin in one hand and her cotton reel in the other, Pippi walked away, followed by Tommy and Annika. When they reached Pippi's garden, she said, Oh my goodness, how annoying. Here's me with two lovely things I found and you haven't got anything. You must carry on searching. Tommy, why don't you take a look in that old tree? Old trees are one of the very best places for a thing finder to look. Tommy said he didn't think he and Annika would ever find anything at all, but to please Pippi, he stuck his hand in a hollow tree trunk. What? he said, absolutely astonished, and pulled out his hand. He was holding a brilliant little notebook with a leather cover, and it had a small silver pin in a special holder. That was pretty strange, said Tommy. There, you see? There's nothing better than being a thing finder. It's very odd that more people don't want the job. They can be carpenters and shoemakers and chimney sweeps and so on, but never a thing finder. Oh no, that's not good enough for them. <laughs> and then she said to Annika, why don't you feel inside that old tree stump? You find things in tree stumps practically all the time. Annika pushed in her hand and almost straight away found a red coral necklace. She and Tommy stood gaping for ages. They were so amazed. And then they thought that from now on, they would be thing finders every day. Pippi had been up half the night practicing ball throwing, and she suddenly felt very sleepy. I think I need a little snooze, she said. Can you come with me and tuck me in?
As Pippi sat on the edge of her bed and took off her shoes, she looked at them thoughtfully and said, So he was going rowing, was he, that binked? Hmm. She snorted scornfully. I'll teach him to row all right next time. Tell me, Pippi, Tommy said respectfully, why have you got such big shoes? So I can waggle my toes, of course, she replied. Then she lay down to sleep. She always slept with her feet on the pillow and her head underneath the covers. That's how they sleep in Guatemala, she declared. It really is the only way to sleep, and it also means I can waggle my toes while I'm asleep. Can you sleep without a lullaby? She went on. I always have to sing to myself for a little while, otherwise I don't get a wink of sleep. Tommy and Annika could hear mumbling coming from under the covers. It was Pippi singing herself to sleep. Very quickly they tiptoed out so as not to disturb her. In the doorway they turned round and looked back at the bed. All they could see was Pippi's feet on the pillow. There she lay, waggling her toes up and down. Tommy and Annika scooted off home. Annika held her coral necklace tight in her hand. It seems a little bit odd, she said. Tommy, you don't think... You don't think Pippi put those things there first? You never know, said Tommy. You never know anything as far as Pippi's concerned. Oh, man, I love Pippi. She is so silly, and I love the way she dresses with her mismatched clothes and her mismatched long stockings. And it's very interesting that she lives in that great big house, Villa Villa Coola, all by herself. I really like that she stands up for other people. Now, sometimes we use words that we're not allowed to use at home. Sometimes we have those words in books. So keep in mind, even though Pippi says it, sometimes we're not supposed to say it. <laughs> I hope that you stay happy, stay healthy, and keep reading. Stay happy, stay healthy, keep reading. Stay happy, stay healthy, keep reading Until the day comes we meet again Stay happy, stay healthy, keep reading my